now. The Supreme Court has said unanimously this was wrong. Fact-based. Your belief at the time doesn't necessarily jive with what the actual law is. Reasonable. Informative. Now, if you take in facts and you think about them and you don't jump to a instant opinion, you're the outlaw. And now, Outlaw Lawyer with Josh Whitaker. Welcome to this week's The Outlaw Lawyer. I am your one of your hosts, your co-host, Josh Whitaker. Uh, with me, as always, is Joseph Hamer. We are attorneys at Whitaker & Hamer, uh, a law firm that has offices in Raleigh, Clayton, Garner, Goldsboro, and Fuquay, Verena. Uh, we are here today, not in our official uh, attorney lawyer roles, but we're here today to talk about news, legal news uh, that we want to uh, we want to address and and kind of take a look at as attorneys. So, Joe, how you how have you been, Josh? I've been doing fantastic. Uh, I look forward to being in here with you every single week, and it just seems to get better every single week. Spending this time with you, uh, hearing from our listeners, you know, answering listener questions, and just getting to talk about the law, man. Well, I think it's I think it's important. You know, we we, we this is our one hour that, that we have uh, a week where we can reach out to our listeners. And uh, uh, if you're listening for the first time here on the Outlaw Lawyer, what our goal is, is, is to take these legal news items, uh, Supreme Court case, Court of Appeals case, uh, things in the news that are legal have to do with statutes and kind of look at them from an attorney's perspective. Look at the primary documents, look at the statutes, look at the legal Opinions kind of go behind the scenes. Uh, I know a lot of these uh, media outlets when they present legal news, it's not an attorney that's presenting these. Um, you know, it seems like now uh, there's just always a lot to look at, and I think the little you know one two paragraph treatment or you know thirty second story on on the major news network news networks miss a lot of stuff. Um, I was going to ask Joe, 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 for the folks who may be listening for the first time is, is a little bit younger than me, but I was going to ask Joe if he knew there was a time when the national news was 30 minutes long every day, 30 minutes of news. That's all you got. Josh, you're telling me that there was a time when there weren't multiple 24 hour a day news channels. No, I'm telling you that when we, we used to get back from school or, or work and you'd watch 30 minutes of local news, you'd watch 30 minutes of national news. You'd have a newspaper where a lot of that same information was, and then that was it. Um, so now you've got you know CNN, Fox News, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal. You got your local news outlets. You got aggregators like the Drudge Report that kind of pull different AP stories and things together. And I don't know if we even all agree anymore uh, on what news really even is. Like we can't agree to what the top stories of the day are between. If you look at all these outlets. Um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm younger than you. I do recall the times that you're referring to, um, but but I think that 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 24 hour news cycle just really stretches the definition of what's newsworthy. Period. So you know, not only do we see the political viewpoints kind of shaping and molding the narrative, but just the need to push out sheer content to fill that 24-hour cycle really kind of redefines and has redefined what the average person even considers newsworthy at this point. And I think you can really argue that it's impacting society. And that's why one of our primary goals here at The Outlaw Lawyer is to look at everything with no political bias, no political slant from the neutral perspective of the law. 
I try to take these items that we we pluck from the news and look at them like they came into my office. Like they're coming into my office as a consult. I don't have any sides. I'm just looking at the facts and saying, uh, you know, this is a this is okay or, or or this is not okay. This is a a good lawsuit. This is a bad lawsuit. A good statute. A bad statute. Um, you know, so you know, just to point out, you know, if you're getting your news, you know, I got a lot of uh, I've got a lot of contacts, and they get all their news from you know they'll watch. CNN or they'll watch Fox News and, and they're not, you know, or they're not reading any kind of newspaper or, but if you're getting your news from one source, I mean, you almost have to be, it's almost like a part-time job to really get enough coverage where you can put, you know, if you put the CNN article and the Fox News article and the New York Times article together, you may get a, you know, a, a small amount of facts out of there and you may be able to use that to actually figure out what really happened and figure out why it's, why it's news. But that's, you know, back in my NC State days, that's what they used to tell me. You know, it's the five W's: the why, when, where, how. You know, what what actually happened. You know, let the let the person reading, let the person listening, give them the actual facts, and let them figure out if it's newsworthy or if it, you know what side they would they would take. But yeah, it's not really the way it is now. Right. So it's uh it's different. It's almost become a skill to discern, and and you really have to actively try to seek out the truth and a lot of people just you know like you said they they get it from one place they just they they take it at face value and there's a lot of just disinformation misinformation out there so that's why i recommend our viewers and listeners rather get their news only from here the outlaw law here <laughs> right it's one hour a week tune in <laughs> saturdays at four for all of your we may only cover four or five topics but though that's what's important in your life but we, we really try to approach this just you know we go out of our way to try to be reasonable and objective and uh i think when you do that you know good things good things happen and you can have uh political leanings and you can have issues that are important to you but you know just try we try to look at things like the average with tarp the average reasonable person that's another legal term that comes up but in, in that same vein today we've got a couple of things we want to tackle and so i think the biggest thing we want to tackle is is what's going on with bill cosby what's going on with bill cosby we're going to talk all things Bill Cosby. We're going to talk his rise. We're going to talk his fall. We're going to just talk the recent developments with Cosby, um, recently being released from incarceration. Just a, a whirlwind of a story involving Bill Cosby. And so after we take that deep dive into Bill Cosby's trial and his recent release, we're going to jump to, it was a big story. You might have heard about it Uh there was a was a zebra, a spitting zebra cobra that was loose in North Raleigh. Spitting zebra cobra, uh, one of, on my top five uh, species of cobra. <laughs> but yes, that is that is correct. Right. So that that gripped Raleigh for a little bit, and so like anything in the news, you know, the news covered it because people wanted to see it. I think I saw it one time. I clicked into the live stream. There was like three thousand people watching animal control corner this viper on this guy's porch you know there's people that wanted to see that well you know north carolina actually has a statute on what, what governs how you can keep venomous snakes and what you can do and so we're going to take a look at the statute the the legal uh information behind the news story i think we can all agree that was news local news at least i think that was uh definitely news it was relevant i cared to know that there was a venomous snake on the loose um we're also going to talk a little bit about sperm um we're going to talk about uh, whether a sperm donor can actually owe child support for their child that is grown 
from their seed. So that's uh, that's actually a topic we're going to cover cover as well. And then we're going to talk about uh, some estate horror stories. We mentioned that a lot, and um, we're going to cover that in a little more detail and talk about what can go wrong and why you always need to consult with a licensed North Carolina attorney. This seems like a good time to remind you that Joseph and I and many of our guests are licensed attorneys who are licensed to practice in in North Carolina. They do not appear. We do not appear on the show to give you any personal legal advice. We're here just generally to talk about legal news. If you do need legal advice, we are attorneys. Whitaker and Hamer. um, So if you need to get a hold of us at the Outlaw Lawyer with any questions or concerns or you need to meet to consult with an attorney at our firm, um, you can call us one 800 659-1186. That's 1-800-659-1186. That is a number that's set up for you to leave a message, which will come directly to us. And if you need an attorney, we can certainly reach out to you to set that up, set up a consultation. Uh, But if you have any questions or concerns for anything that we've talked about on the show, you can also leave that there and we'll get it. If email is better, our email address is questions, that's plural, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. And again, that these important. Our website is theoutlawlawyer.com. All of our past episodes are there. There's another, you know, uh, widget there that can get you in contact with us. And then on Facebook and Twitter, we're the Outlaw Lawyer. The Outlaw Lawyer. I don't know who the regular non-the Outlaw Lawyer is, but we are the Outlaw Lawyer. And we're coming for you, regular Outlaw Lawyer, without the the. I would also like to mention, uh, for those of you who may live down near the corner, Clayton, South Raleigh, Fuquay area, the law firm of Whitaker and Hamer is sponsoring a beer pong tournament, which is the normal thing that law firms do, I hear. Yes, <laughs> frequently. But you can kind of, you can reach out to us if that's something you want to take part in. That's always a lot of fun. Uh, but that'll be down in the uh, in the Garner, uh, South Raleigh area um, at a little bar called Shady. So if you're interested in beer pong, and I'm certain every one of our listeners are avid beer pong players uh, you can reach out to us that way too otherwise we're going to go ahead and take a break get ready for our deep dive into mr bill cosby coming up on the outlaw lawyer we will talk all the legal details of bill cosby's legal woes and recent release from prison Joe and I are back, and we're ready to talk about Bill Cosby. That was a that was a big news story. So everybody, you know, really, I guess, of a certain age knows who Bill Cosby is. It's hard not to know who Bill Cosby was, and his legal troubles kind of mounted on him there in the in the mid to late two thousands. And he was uh, sentenced to prison. We'll talk about all this, but he was recently uh, released. So the Court of Appeals in 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 Pennsylvania heard his case, and and now he's a completely free man. All of a sudden. He's a free man. Uh, that's right. You know, when we talk about shocking allegations and, you know, celebrities who have kind of fallen from grace, there's really few that can compete with the story of Bill Cosby. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned when, when we all think of Bill Cosby, I was, uh, I was asking some of our younger employees at the law firm of Whitaker and Hamer just about Bill Cosby in preparation for that. And it, it's amazing when you hit a certain point how those opinions change and and how the younger generation doesn't know him as anything other than essentially a convicted sex offender, which is, you know, crazy thinking of where he came from. Yeah. So Bill, you know, Bill Cosby, I think most of our 
listeners are probably of the age where we don't have to to tell them who Bill Cosby was, but I I, I think it's hard to understate how popular Bill Cosby was for much of the 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, you know, I think a lot of people refer to him as a as America's dad. You know, we grew up with the Cosby Show, and then I even hey, I watched Cosby. Cosby. Yes, yeah, so I watched the 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 what it was like three or four years later. The Cosby Show was done. And so they brought uh, they brought them back and did Cosby. Mm, I see. I see. I know the Cosby show, overwhelmingly popular. I think I saw 30 million viewers on average for that show, which is just a ridiculous number. And, um, you know, got syndicated, was around for a long time. Several years after it was canceled, you'd still see episodes. And it just a guy who really permeated all of, of pop culture, exceedingly popular, like you said, a lot of uh, affectionately referred to by many as America's dad. Um, it just really was a generally well thought of wholesome figure. Did the show kids say the darndest things? Um, and it really had this sterling kind of image in the, in the public eye. I remember my grandmother loved Bill Cosby, <laughs> big I, fan. I remember, I remember in the mid two thousands when this was all coming to light, you had some stand up comedians. I think maybe Hannibal Burris was a stand up comedian who, like the, there were rumblings in Hollywood, so some of the things that we're going to talk about, like they were they were things that were known, they just weren't known publicly. Yeah, and or, I think that was actually one of the the main things that actually shed some light on it was Hannibal Burris, like you said. Just I think within the co- the community of comedians, um, like you said, rumblings, uh, and and there was some talk about it, but it wasn't really until two thousand and five when you know more concrete allegations kind of started to come to light. So the first the first allegations that kind of led to to Cosby's uh, fall from grace were from Andrea Constan uh, and and she was an individual who had brought these charges up uh, again around 2005. After her, I think uh, I mean around 50 more women accused Cosby of some sort of sexual assault or or flat out rape. Uh, but there were statute of limitation issues because these a lot of those complaints were just too old and. And the statute of limitations for folks, there's statute of limitations for almost any kind of claim, any kind of case, criminal, civil. There's a certain amount of time that's passed where uh, the court has said, hey, it's too old. You know, we can't get good evidence. Witnesses' recollections have been harmed. This is too old uh, to pursue. This is too old to be a claim for relief. And so the statute of limitations cut a lot of these off. Yeah. So, you know, it, to talk about the case and how where we are now and the, the recent developments, I think you really have to start back when those allegations first started coming to light. So if you kept up with the news around that time, uh, you'd remember there was a lot of smoke. Like you said, once those first rumors started coming out, it, it kind of became uh, a running thing where you would just continually hear about more and more people. And, and like you said, Josh, over 50 women, I believe, independently accused Cosby of some form of sexual assault. And every story was essentially a variation of the same story, um, which was basically, in essence, that Cosby would, would have these women over. He would give them some sort of pill or drug, um, and they would eventually pass out and wake up having been sexually assaulted. And so those are certainly disturbing allegations, and, and they all deserve to be taking, taken seriously. And, uh, and so that's what, that's what happened here. And so Andrea's, or I guess we should say Mrs. Constan. Uh, Is that right? Constan? Constan. Yeah. That's what we're going with. So you, I'm terrible at pronouncing even the most common names. Like I just have this, I have a, I, I'm a, 
I have a disability where even like Johnson can throw me like in the wrong. So I, I don't think that's a, a formal disability, but we'll give it. <laughs> we'll give you that. So Mrs. Constand uh, brings her charges, uh, you know, brings those to light. And um, so when they first came to light, Joe, the 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 district attorney in Philadelphia, where these events were said to have occurred didn't ever file charges yeah and we'll, we'll get to that so you know that's the interesting thing is is these allegations are made by constand and several other women but constand she was the one person whose allegations were recent enough to where that statute of limitations wasn't a bar to criminal prosecution um, she also brought a, a civil case which we'll also talk about as well but um, ultimately uh, she these charges are brought Cosby ends up being convicted on three felony counts of aggravated indecent assault, and he is sentenced to three to ten years in state prison. So his defense team, after the conviction, they file an appeal, and their argument is basically that the Montgomery County District Attorney, who is a, a Mr. Bruce Castor, had agreed not to file criminal charges if Cosby provided a sworn deposition in a civil case that Constant had filed prior to the criminal case being brought. All right, so we have an agreement. We have an acting district attorney has agreed not to bring charges based on these facts in exchange for Cosby pretty much uh, cooperating with uh, Constan's civil lawsuit. Exactly, exactly. And so, so Cosby does. So Cosby has this uh, free pass basically from the DA saying, yep, you can be truthful. Um, and so in these civil depositions, Cosby did admit to furnishing drugs. Uh, quaaludes to women and admitted to be sexually involved with Constance. So he he did not plead. You know this isn't this is civil. So he didn't plead the fifth because he was he had this free pardon to uh, to talk about this stuff. Exactly, and that's the thing about the the Cosby allegations is he never really came out and outright denied sexual activity with these women. So his defense wasn't. You know, I never I never met, and I'm sure for some of the women he he never met or never remembered but generally speaking if i remember it correctly his defense was always every woman that this happened with did they participated knowingly willingly with consent they knew they were taking the drugs they were taking they knew what the deal essentially they knew what was going to happen and we may not find that a strong defense but that is what his argument was is that they this wasn't something he sprung on him. He was he was explaining this to every woman he did it with, and they all were like, you know, it's they consented to it essentially. So again, Cosby's ultimately convicted of drugging and sexually assaulting Constand. Um, that conviction is upheld by the lower court in 2019, and as a result, Cosby's lawyers appeal at the state level, and they argue that the DA Caster's agreement with Cosby basically precluded him from being able to invoke his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination during those depositions. And when you put that together with uh, some bad act witnesses that, that were included in the second trial, which we'll discuss in more detail as well, that was the grounds they argued for overturning that verdict. And so it was those depositions, those civil depositions, where Cosby felt that he could speak freely about drugs and, and women back in 2005 that was used uh, as a big part of uh, of the of the prosecution's case at his first trial which ended in a hung jury and his second trial where they ultimately convicted him of three felonies um, but because the first da because mr castor removed the threat of criminal prosecution if cosby agreed to making the deposition 
the comedian's attorney successfully established that Cosby wasn't able to invoke his Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination and it was therefore unable to defend himself against the criminal charges. Yeah, so the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ultimately, when presented with this argument from Cosby's lawyers, they ruled that that 2019 felony conviction was to be overturned. And they cited that agreement by the DA to not prosecute Cosby um, as the, the primary reason, basically saying that because of that agreement, he should have never actually stood trial in the first place. And another factor in the court's decision, we talked about it a little bit, was these uh, so-called bad act witnesses in the second trial. And his attorneys also successfully argued that those witnesses unfairly prejudiced the jury. So the court ultimately, again, agreed with Cosby's legal team. Um, and they you know, basically said that they were throwing this out completely. Um, at no time, Cosby's lawyers would argue, did the comedian expect that his sworn testimony in the civil case would ever see the light of day, let alone be used in criminal court as the primary basis for his conviction. This is a lot to take in, Joe. I think this is a good time for us to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back and, and get more information and, and kind of take it from there. Up next, we have a special guest, and we continue our discussion on Mr. Bill Cosby. Well, welcome back to The Outlaw Lawyer. Joseph and I are still here. We're still diving deep into what it means, Bill Cosby's release, how it came about, why it's important. And uh, fortunately, we just got a call. We got a special guest in here. So if you listen to our first episode, you'll remember Mr. Damien McCullers, an attorney here in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, and my former law partner. Uh, welcome, Damien. Hello, hello. How's everybody? <laughs> doing good, doing good. Glad to have you. Uh, yeah, I don't get to see you guys that much anymore, so this is awesome. Yeah, this is, uh, this is uh, I practiced, uh, me and Joe practiced with Damien for 17 years, and uh, so he used to he used to be McCullers, Whitaker, and Hamer. Now it's Whitaker and Hamer, but Damien is a good friend of ours, a good friend of the show, good friend of the outlaw lawyer. And so he's joined us to talk about Bill Cosby. Uh, Joe, We've spent a lot of time talking about the charges, the conviction, how we got there, what the problem was. What, what does this all mean now? Fantastic question, Josh. So uh, the, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, they reversed Cosby's conviction and they allowed him to basically leave prison as a free man. He's no longer required to file as a sexually violent predator on the sex offender registry. Um, and so just one month after he was actually denied parole for refusing to attend prison workshops for sex offenders, He's just walking free now, essentially. Um, so, you know, I'll ask you a question, Josh. We know Cosby's been released, uh, but with the allegations coming out in 2005, why did the DA not initially prosecute Cosby in the first place? Why do they wait so long to do so? Well, I think Castor went on record uh, to t and he basically said that, you know, he made the decision not to prosecute Cosby criminally because of what he called, I guess, just defects in the case. So he noted that Constan waited to come forward with her allegations for a while. He was concerned there wasn't enough evidence to convict. But basically, uh, Constan's delay in reporting this diminished the reliability of any recollections and undermined the investigators' efforts to collect forensic evidence. So they had no forensic evidence. They had no witnesses. And he also found numerous inconsistencies with Constan's statements to him and law enforcement. Um, Damien, do you do you remember when all this was happening? Um, I do, and I think 
your points about what uh, the DA actually said is important. Uh, I think this is also a great opportunity to take to say, um, you know, any victim of any type of assault, sexual assault, that type of thing, um, it's difficult for them to come forward. Um, we certainly want to make sure that they understand that we and, and I support them um, in coming forward. Um, and we're here strictly talking about the law um, and just kind of how this one played out um, and that those comments are those of the DA that was assigned to that case um, and what he thought the legal conclusions would be based off of what he had been given. Um, but that's, uh, that's kind of that part in a nutshell. Now, and, you know, as a prosecutor, um, that prosecutor has to, um, and I don't want to use the word value because it, it sounds bad. I, I think it, they have to evaluate uh, their case and, and what they think would, would be the good and the bad points of their case. And it, it sounds like this prosecutor decided uh, that there were a number of weak points in the case uh, in evaluating it and decided not to move forward. Well, I think Damien makes a good point, and it's one that we, we made a little earlier today, too. But when you're – we're all practicing attorneys, so this is – you know, this is work for us. You know, we, there are feelings involved. There's victims. You know, you, you always you always have remorse. But the, the longer that you do this, you it almost becomes like a watching a football game. If you're a football coach, you know, you you you're, you we're basically uh, looking at what attorneys did based on facts and, and criticizing or, or commenting or, you know, looking. But we're looking at it, you know, we're looking at it without feeling, without, without emotion, because, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do in court, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, it's kind of like in law school when you stand up your first year and you say, well, I think, and then your professor says, well, I don't really care what you think. What does the law say? Right, and that's, and that's, a, that's a big thing here. And, you know, part of, I know what me and Joe were, were, are going to get to is, is, you know, kind of the Me Too movement and kind of what was going on around this time. And, and, and this, to me, Joe, even at the time, I didn't get too. I didn't get too involved in it at the time, but it seemed odd to me that this decision came down to unseal the 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 depositions that we've been talking about. Yeah, and I think that's that's the that's really where the the defect is that is what ultimately led to Cosby's release. So you know, we talked about Castor, and again, uh, basically just reporting his own findings and and his own assessment of Constan's reliability. But at the end of the day. He essentially just said there's not sufficient credible evidence to prove Cosby's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's the that was what his position was as far as not prosecuting at the time. And then again, he makes the civil cases ultimately brought. He makes the agreement with Cosby to solicit his testimony or his deposition rather and basically says, you know, we're not going to prosecute based on this. Um, and then that's, again, kind of how we get here. Well, and, and I would imagine uh, I would imagine at that time it's not like Castor did that on his own. I'm sure he was approached by, I would think, Constan's attorney, Cosby's attorney, saying, hey, we got the civil thing. We need Cosby to, to play along. Um, this agreement was reached, I'm sure, between several parties. It's not just that Castor on his own free volition just decided to do this would be my guess. I don't know, Damien, if you see that happen a lot. Uh, but that, that would be my guess is that this was to help everybody at the time. Um, I mean, it, I don't know if it was to help everybody at the time. What I can tell you is just kind of from what I've seen over the years just in practice is that a lot of times if there is a civil matter or if there is a civil matter going on that 
often the civil attorneys will come to the criminal settings or talk with the DA about uh, what's going on in the criminal setting because oftentimes, and I'm, I'm not licensed in Pennsylvania, uh, but in North Carolina, sometimes uh, a criminal conviction bolsters the claim for civil court. So a lot of times there's some positioning going on um, as it relates to that. Joe, what happened with the civil case? So, you know, Constan filed a lawsuit in 2005 in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern State of Pennsylvania. Um, Cosby, you know, again, he was deposed. He testified under oath at the deposition um, several times. And, you know, he admitted to having a romantic interest in Constan. And he also admitted to the sexual activity, every, every instance of it, but again said that it was consensual. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, Constan settled with Cosby for $3.38 million. That was the result of the civil trial. And so Castor was the DA until about 2015, and so then uh, he, is, uh, he is not the DA anymore. A new DA comes in. The statute of limitations, we talked about what the statute of limitations were, where it, in Pennsylvania that's a 12-year statute of limitations. It had not yet expired when the new DA got in. And almost immediately, charges were filed. Exactly. So just before that statute set to expire, charges are filed. Um, following the charges, there's two trials. The first trial is in 2017, and it actually ended after the jurors were just unable to reach a unanimous verdict. There's a second trial, and in that second trial, Cosby's found guilty on all three counts, as we've discussed, and he's sentenced to state prison for between that three- and ten-year period we talked about. Um, and then after which, Cosby's legal team again files those post-sentence motions seeking the new trial. I think we should take a break from all the legal mumbo-jumbo, Joseph, and we should all identify our favorite Cosby episode. <laughs> and I got a tie. I'm gonna, I got a tie. I got number one, when they found a snake in the basement. That's a very fine episode, I believe. But it's tied with the one where they're celebrating the grandparents' anniversary on the Alice the Ray Charles song. So those are my top two Cosby episodes. Well, I'll go next, and I will tell you, I think the grandparents' episode should be taken out because it is a classic unto itself. So I think that that can't – I think that is the gold standard <laughs> that is of the, Cosby Show episode. That is the de facto uh, that is, best That is Cosby the de facto episode. number one. Uh, but as my – relevant number one a or two i believe mine is when well i have two i'm kind of like you joshua but so my first one is when they turn the house into uh the real world for theo so he has to pay for everything oh, yeah. rent a bed and he's got to yeah. pay for everything and all kinds of stuff so that one is that one is awesome and then when uh rudy plays football oh yeah is, oh, yeah. is pretty good yeah that's a good one the uh what's the one where uh who who makes uh who makes uh oh man is it it's not denise that makes him the shirt i can't remember who makes yeah uh, it's denise that makes theo the shirt that's yeah. classic too the gordon gartrell <laughs> yeah that's a good episode joseph are you young enough to have a favorite or yeah, old enough to yeah. have a favorite cosby so i was a young boy when when these uh when this show aired and i i remember you don't have it to call in, us old joseph yeah, well, i remember it in syndication and i vaguely remember watching it but uh i think my my brain capacity wasn't quite there to mm. absorb i'm gonna go I'm going to go with the Theo real world episode as well, just just because it sounds great. I might have to go back and check it out. Um, well, 
where where we get to on this so cosby cosby's a, a free man um now but he did get he did get charged and the trials were interesting because this was all around this you know it didn't get reported you know that that there was going to everybody should have known that this was going to be an issue later you know everybody the the da the prosecutors the defense attorney certainly knew it was an issue the media didn't really i, I don't remember the way this was reported i don't remember this being reported you know it was reported to me the way i remember it is cosby's a bad guy he's done all this stuff everybody's finally going to get them. I remember it was it was split. I remember there was a, a large contingent of that, and there was a large contingent of, you don't want to say conspiracy theorists, but basically people who thought these were bogus allegations. He's, he's always been innocent. I think a lot of people bought his argument that these were all consenting adults that all participated willingly. Um, but at the end of the day, he's a free man. And you got to think also the climate today with the Me Too movement and where it is is so drastically different than it was back in 2005. You think of how much has changed there as far as culture and the way that society works. And it's just a, it's a drastically different landscape. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of things you can take from this, and it's going to be interesting to see how future cases with more of these types of things coming out, being prosecuted, are, are going to develop. Well, it's, a, you know, the Cosby's release is a recent development. I have kind of been scanning the media, and honestly, I have not seen nearly as many uh stories on it as i as i thought i'd see i mean it was big news the day it happened i haven't seen a lot I don't, I don't know what you've seen damien but i haven't seen a lot of follow-up i just assume there'd be a lot of the, like you know this is a travesty of justice and i haven't seen those stories yet no i i haven't seen a lot of them i did see where his former co-star felicia rashad released a tweet and then that tweet got some backlash it did she had um, to retract it yeah so she kind of backpedaled on it and you know and it's because she works at a university um uh, one of the most prestigious hbcus um out there which is uh howard and um you know they i think they as a university took a stance that they could not uh accept what she said uh and keep her as a professor there um so she kind of had to she was actually the dean yeah she was one of the deans of the the school of theater i believe it is yeah um so that that was kind of the biggest after effect that i've seen thus far and and it's important to say you know they they didn't the court of appeals in pennsylvania they didn't remand this for another trial um these charges are done they cannot be there's no there's not going to be a retrial it's it for this it's over yeah, but I think it's also important to know, too, um, I saw some commentary on this a while back that said, you know, that is it for these charges. Um, if there are other charges or another individual that is out there, the state technically, I believe, could bring those charges. But with each day that passes, you know, you're you're running afoul of that statute of limitations, depending on when it happens. So it just kind of depends on what's what. But you're right it, for these particular sets of charges that's it what uh what do you think you think uh, you think we see a civil lawsuit from cosby now that he's been exonerated and the prosecutors acted i have no earthly idea um because he's got I, I, he's got the money he's angry enough to do it i think we see a civil lawsuit where he seeks some damages and i think he may win how about this do we see bill cosby do any form of entertainment again uh, before he dies I don't think so, man. But that that first comedy special that was that was good stuff, and that's what I don't like, man. I do not like 
you know, Bill Cosby was accused of some horrific things, and that has to be dealt with, and the court system's been dealing with it. And his public image will certainly take a hit. It has taken it's, a huge hit. Huge hit. But funny's funny, man. When something was funny, it's still, it's still funny. It's a it? difficult concept of the people that make art that you cherish and value it, 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 separating that from their personal demons and the things they do. It's a difficult well, thing. I think that's what a lot of people have had to, to deal with is looking at or determining who is Bill Cosby versus who is Dr. Heathcliff Huxtable. Well, I'd, um, it's art. You know, the Cosby show is art. And, you know, you can't you can't take that away from little Josh Whitaker, no matter how hard you try. But I don't know what I don't know. A lot of artists is main. You know, I'll look at a painting and I'm like, oh, that's a I guess that's a great painting or what have you. And uh, and I don't know anything about the person that got that, you know, that had that painting. I just I'm just looking at the paintings. I'm just going to look at the Cosby show. That's what I'm taking from all this. I'm going to watch the Cosby show and it's going to be funny and I'm going to like it. Fair enough. All right. Well, I think we've talked uh, just about enough about Mr. Bill Cosby. He is a he is a free man for now. It'll be interesting to see what happens. It'll be interesting to see how this story is followed. Uh, but those are the facts as unbiasedly as we can present them to you, except for my love of the Cosby show. That was biased. The North Raleigh Spitting Cobras will be the name of every rec basketball team in North Raleigh for the next several years. Next, we discuss the Venomous Reptile Act. Joe and Josh back here with you on the Outlaw Lawyer. We certainly had a lot of fun last segment. We appreciate Mr. Damien McCullers for joining us. Um, he had to get back to work, though, so now you're just stuck with me and Joe. But I think we've got something very exciting to talk about. It kind of gripped the entire area for a couple of days. Uh, but we had a z- – I can't remember the name of the animal. I think it was a zebra. A zebra. A zebra, zebra spitting, spitting cobra. cobra. Zebra spitting cobra. Well, it was loose. And it was uh, it was a big time story uh, here in Raleigh and the surrounding areas. I know a lot of I live down in the South Raleigh Garner area, and we were afraid that guy was going to make it down our way, and we didn't know what to do when we when we saw it. But I know uh, a lot of the local media outlets covered that thing twenty four seven, twenty four seven. That that is that is correct. Um, like you said, it gripped the town, it gripped the people. Um, terrifying period of time for everyone i think one time on wrl i hopped into a live video so they got this cobra cornered it was loose for like a i guess maybe a day a day and a night or whatever and they got it cornered on the guy's porch and uh, i think i read it came out of it was in his vinyl siding and it came out and he saw it and they got it cornered on his porch and there was like a like a live stream and like three thousand people are on that live stream trying to watch these folks bring down the spitting cobra of all the things that that are going to creep out from your vinyl siding I think the the zebra spitting cobra is the last one you expect, and is uh, that's the last thing you want to see, man. The uh, so from what I can gather on media, I don't know any of the parties to this, but it, it looks like this maybe this family uh, has a has a maybe in a I don't know if he was over eighteen or under eighteen, but it looked like there was a guy he kept a lot of different venomous steaks at his house. Looked like he had a, a lot of TikTok followers, and I think I think I saw one of the videos is where he kind of let one of these snakes go and was like watching it move around in the grass and i guess it, like a half a million people will watch this guy do his do his stuff and and so they were the owner of of the snake which we know as attorneys because there's a statute um it's legal to own a venomous snake yeah so it, legal to own a venomous snake but uh 
as with all laws, statutes, regulations, things of this nature, any kind of da- any kind of activity that statute allows that is I- any kind of dangerous in nature, there's going to be restrictions, there's going to be safeguards, there's going to be things put in place to govern the ownership and use. And that's the, ex- that's the case here as well. I don't know who came up with it, but I saw uh, somebody was selling shirts that said uh, they were like the North Raleigh uh, spitting cobras. Um, which I found hysterical, but do you know why that's funny, Joe? Do you know where that spitting cobras as a team name comes from? That's uh, that is actually I do, Josh, and it actually comes from the Academy Award-winning <laughs> uh, Criterion Collection classic Dodgeball, one of the great movies of our time. So that was the Globo Gym purple purple cobras. I think they weren't the spitting cobras. I think they were the purple cobras. But uh, anyway, that made me, I almost bought that shirt. Uh, Facebook has really figured me out and so i don't know what their algorithms are i don't know what i said around it i don't know what i searched for but i buy a t-shirt off facebook like every week because they got you man the ads have targeted and like dialed me into like old country and old silly movies and i think i bought a stepbrothers uh shirt last week that's how they got me so every week you're giving some of that that hard-earned money to uh, these facebook advertisers so but yeah, the, the the purple cobras. I actually had a speaking of dodgeball. I had an average Joe shirt. As my name is Joe, it was pertinent. No, oh, you got still have that. that. Still got it. I still have it. It's yeah. a classic design of a shirt. <laughs> the uh, so in case everybody was curious, I didn't I didn't hear it really get reported. So when I saw this happening, I was like, who's whose zebra spitting cobra is this, and why is it why is it loose? Because I know I hadn't read it in a long time, but I know there's a statute. Um, so I think I heard a lot of people asking, you know, is this even legal? Um, and so the, the statute, to summarize, it's North Carolina General Statute 14-417, Regulation of Ownership or Use of a Venomous Reptile. Um, and so the statute says it's, it is unlawful unless you do certain things. And so some of the things that the statute requires you to do if you have a venomous reptile is you have to keep it in a, a lockable cage. And the cage must have certain information on there, the breed of the snake, what kind of anti-venom, who to call if it gets out, if you see the cage is opened. And then there's a liability imposed on the owner that if it does escape, they have to immediately notify the local officials. Um, so that's, that's, it's, it's unlawful to keep these animals unless you do this. And if you do this, then in theory, you haven't, you're lawfully owning a venomous reptile. Some people, man, some people love their animals and they love their ven- I've never personally understood the appeal of keeping a deadly venomous creature. Um, but to, we live in America, man. We live in a, the land of the free where people are free to pursue their passions. And some people have that passion for deadly murderous animals that will kill you. So I was curious, Joe. I kept reading the statutes because I was curious. I've never seen it in my personal practice. I've never heard what the penalties are. So violations of this statute. So if you keep a venomous reptile and you violate these provisions, it's a class two misdemeanor, which uh, 30 days. Class two misdemeanor is not a very high level uh, crime. And then I kept reading and I was, if someone suffers a life-threatening injury that's not a member of the, the family that's keeping it. So if somebody else, a third party, receives a life-threatening injury or dies, the way I read the statute says it's a class A1 misdemeanor. Um, that's insane to me. And man. that's the highest, that's, uh, you know, that's a high misdemeanor. But, yeah, it seems like that would be manslaughter if you intentionally released the snake and it killed somebody. And maybe that's multiple charges. Well, maybe I'm looking it, at it the wrong way. Maybe you're looking at it wrong. But if you're not looking at it wrong, we, we said we're going to keep our, our biases out of this. But I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say, if I'm bitten and murdered by a spitting zebra cobra, 
I want the person who released this spitting zebra cobra to to, to face more than a A one misdemeanor. Judge. And, and I'm probably looking at that wrong. It's probably an A one misdemeanor. It's probably an A one misdemeanor just for the violation of the statute. But then you're still going to get your whatever whatever charge that you're, you know. you're just comeuppance for your snake murdering. But me. but here, of course, luckily no one was hurt. No one died. Um, the intentional. The, the statute further goes on to say the intentional release is a class A1 misdemeanor. So I don't know what it means by intentional release. Can you, is it this venomous snake have to be kept in its cage all the time, 24 hours a day? Can you let it out? Also going to go out on a limb here, Josh. And I'm going to say, without knowing the exact definition of intentional release, I'm going to say letting it in your backyard for TikTok qualifies as intentional release. This also, this statute, so punitive damages is an inter- interesting thing in, in, in legal news that you hear from time to time where the judge, you know, you've got compensatory damages where you, you know, if someone's found to be liable, they have to compensate you for your actual damages. There's, there's other different kinds of damages. Punitive damages is where the judge can give you a fine, uh, a judgment against you for any amount that he, feel, he or she feels is necessary to punish you. Punitive means um, basically a derivative of, of punishment, but punitive damages. So the statute allows for if, if there's a civil lawsuit uh, because of the release of this snake and a violation of this statute, there is uh, punitive damages coming to the picture, which could be a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of the animal control worker, wh- whoever the authorities are that, are that are hunting this creature, and you get the call that you're, you're on the hunt for the venomous <laughs> zebra-spitting cobra. That's just not an everyday thing. So I, I have been waiting to hear in the news, and it may happen before we, we get to air, but I have not yet seen any charges, heard anybody calling for any charges. or uh, you know, I'd, I, I'm always curious to see what happens. So the, the snake's been caught, and so i, I got a feeling the media will ignore it for a while. But uh, I'm out there trying to figure out if, if there are any charges uh, pending. I'll be curious to see if the statute comes into play. The real question, Josh, are you getting your kids as a venomous zebra spitting cobra? I tell you what, our, our middle child wants a bearded dragon really, really bad, or or he'll compromise and get a turtle. Um, so we may do that. But venomous venomous reptiles uh, are not in our future. That's fa- fantastic plan. If you do, if you if you change your mind on that, just keep in mind <laughs> statute fourteen four one seven. Um, and, and you should be just fine, man. Well, the law affects everything. There's always a statute. There's always a case law. There's always a contract. There's always a clause. The, the law affects everything that you see and you hear. It, it, just, it just does. If you have a legal issue, if you need legal advice, I encourage you to call our law firm, Whitaker & Hamer. Uh, one of our attorneys will uh, be glad to consult with you. The phone number for us is 1-800-659-1186. That's 1-800-659-1186. That line is set up to take a message. Uh, we will get that message, and uh, we will have the appropriate folks reach out to you. If it's easier to email, you can email us at the Outlaw Lawyer at questions. That's plural. Questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. Our website is also theoutlawlawyer.com. And we're on Facebook and Twitter now, and it's the Outlaw lawyer so again any questions for the show any comments on anything we've talked about we'd love if there's something that you would like us to talk about and analyze we'd love to do it um and if you need any help from whitaker and hamer the law firm you can get in touch with us that way too can a sperm donor owe child support the question everyone's been asking you might be surprised by a recent north carolina court of appeals decision
So, Joe, I, uh, sperm donation is nothing to laugh at. I think that's how we start this. Sperm donation is a serious matter. Deadly serious. Um, we, we've got a case that involves this. And, you know, when, when this first became a thing, I don't know. I can't tell you when this first became a thing. I, I, I tell you, Josh, I ran out of time in preparation for the show. Um, I had at the end of my list was uh, sperm donor research. And I just I couldn't fit it into my schedule. So I couldn't tell you either. Well, what I do know is I grew up watching a lot of 70s and 80s sitcoms, and sperm donation was always involved in, like, one episode, right? Yeah, so, you know, yeah, yeah. The Gary Shanling Show has an episode. Night Court has, I think, a couple of episodes that, that have to – that's the, one of the premises that's, the, you know, that 70s show. It's been several, around. several. I mean, it's it's in a lot of things, man. It's the it's a go to for for comedy sitcom writers. It's a staple. But that's not what we're here to talk about. No, Josh. no. Uh, that might be more exciting. But no, sperm donation. That we got a case. So we we have someone. So there was a there was a case. Um, and here are the facts. I'm trying not to use any, this is a court of appeals case. It was reported earlier this week. But I don't think the name of the case is important, and I don't think the names of the parties were important. So basically, what we have is we have in North Carolina man who agrees a verbal handshake agreement agrees to donate sperm to his friend and her partner so that they can conceive a child so they've decided to do this the north carolina man travels to virginia and apparently that's where the donation was made that's where his friend was inseminated that's where the child was born uh on the birth certificate i believe just the 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 mother the, the mother is listed as a as a parent uh, but the child resides in Virginia. Uh, that's where the couple live. So basically everything has happened in Virginia, except that this man just happens to live in North Carolina. And so what happens, time passes. Um, there is a, in Virginia, there is a proceeding that happens uh, perceivably so that uh, our sperm donor can give up any parental rights he may have and that the the couple with a child can adopt. But there's no, there's a record that this happened there's no judge's order when the court goes and looks in the file. So basically, I think this was Warren County. Uh, the Department of Social Services seeks out our sperm donor uh, to pay back child support. So first off, we don't know this gentleman's name, but my we goodness, do, what a good friend. We do know his name. Well, we do. But I'm saying we, if for the purposes of this discussion, we don't right. know, we're not going to out this, this gentleman's Mr. name. But, Mr. Uh, donor. But that's a good that's a good friend. To, to go to those links. Um, so, Josh, the, the donor lived in NC, like you said. The Virginia couple that he was helping out lived in Virginia. The donation, the insemination, both happened in Virginia. The child's born in, and lived in Virginia. That parental rights termination happened in Virginia. So why, why is this suit taking place in North Carolina? So that's a good question. The social services, the Department of Social Services for Warren County brought the action um, it, it looks like they didn't really file much after they, they brought it. So I, I don't know what happened there. But the North Carolina uh, Court of Appeals did a really good job. We've got some really good justices. Uh, Court of Appeals, is it a justice or a judge? It's a judge. It's a justice if you're Supreme Court. It's a judge, anything underneath. We're going to go judge. All right. We've got some very good judges on the North Carolina Court of Appeals. They have some very good. It's, it's always interesting to read their cases and where they, where they end up on things. But here they were like, look. Um, they talked about it's a it's a Latin word uh, Lex Loki doctrine. Lex Loki sounds like a bad guy, um, but it's a it's a Latin doctrine that just means the law of the state 
where most of the events transpired should be the law that applies. So in, in law, you have, a, you have conflict of law issues. So you got, a, you got a party in North Carolina, you got a party in Virginia, some things happen in North Carolina, some things happen in Virginia. Well, if something goes bad, what law applies, right? So if there had been a written contract, it would have probably have stated if there's a problem with this, Virginia law applies, but we don't have that. So the court has to figure out what law applies to this situation. And so uh, I think our court said, hey, we're going to apply Virginia law. So Virginia, apparently, I guess, I didn't know it until I read this case. Uh, I'm not licensed to practice in Virginia. I don't know Virginia law. I don't pretend to know Virginia law. But um, there's, a case, there's a statute there where if you're a sperm donor, then you don't have any parental rights. So they've taken care of it you know, through, a, through some sort of statutory framework. And so applying that law, no, no child support was owed. Our Mr. Donor was, was free to go, and he did his good deed and, and wasn't going to be punished for it. But it's interesting to think about the legal ramifications from doing something as nice as being a sperm donor. That's one of the friendliest things you can do. And I, and I have to say, Virginia, some of the best sperm laws in our country. <laughs> they, are, they are leading the way. They are on, on the forefront. So. But it's a, hey, it, you know, most, most, I think most of the time this happens, there's some sort of written contract that deals with it. Here we just had a handshake. Handshake means a lot means a lot to me but if something goes wrong and you're in court that it's it's your word against their words you don't have a written contract so we have we have some contract issues here we got a statute that kind of saves the day and and we've got some prior case law so again all types of law contributing to figure out what the heck was going on here yeah you know i think the lesson if we take anything from from this the lesson is if you're going to be a sperm donor get something in writing stating the terms of this of the donation and um you know, there's a lot of cases, we, we joke about it, but there's a lot of cases where a sperm donor has been sought for child support. And I'm, I'm certainly no sperm law expert, um, but if we've said it once, we've said it a thousand times. The law, it just really intersects with everything in our society, including the donation of sperm. Well, again, it's been a fun episode. We were very fortunate to have Damien McCullers with us today. Um, again, any questions for the outlaw lawyer? Give us a call, 1-800-659-1186. What's 1-800-659-1186? You can get us by email, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. Our website is also theoutlawlawyer.com. You can listen to past episodes, current episodes uh, there at the website. Um, or you can reach out to us on Facebook and, and Twitter, The Outlaw Lawyer. Joseph, as always, it's been fun. It's been great. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. We really appreciate you. Um, We had some other things we wanted to talk about. We'll carry those over to the next episode, all our loyal listeners. um, We'll we'll talk about these estate horror stories the next time we catch up with you. But um, great time with you today, Josh. All right. We'll see you guys next week. hosted by an attorney licensed to practice law in North Carolina. Some of the guests appearing on the show may be licensed North Carolina attorneys. Discussion of this show is meant to be general in nature and in no way should the discussion be interpreted as legal advice. Legal advice can only be rendered once an attorney licensed in the state in which you live had the opportunity to discuss the facts of your case with you. The attorneys appearing on the show are speaking in generalities about the law in North Carolina and how these laws affect the average North Carolinian. If you have any questions about the content of the show, contact us directly.